97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. And welcome back to another week of Part of the Disruption. I'm your host, Weasel, and I'm here with the Room Shakers. My guys, we took a week off last week, but guess what? We're back. Everybody's well-rested, ready to go, and we got an amazing show for you guys today. As always, the way this program will work, we will ask a series of questions to our panel, who I'll introduce in a second. They'll get 45 seconds to answer each question, and after that, we'll open the floor for a little bit of debate, some hazing, my favorite part of the program. So, gentlemen, welcome back. It is good to see you, and let's start off with the man who has the coolest koozie in all the world, Steve Train. How you doing? I, I was doing pretty good <laughs> until the pre-show, and then I was abused relentlessly for like three or four minutes, so I guess I'm doing okay now. But welcome back, everyone. We Sorry we missed you guys last week, but this, gonna be, this should be a great show. We'll see how Eric behaves. <laughs> and Steve, Steve I, 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 got his koozie at tax sale. It was a, it was a distress seller. <laughs> Needs a 50K rehab. Now, I, I, I'm not saying we should take it easy on Steve this week, but I do want to point out that it is the man's birthday today. So happy birthday, Steve Train. There you. we go. One happy time birthday. for you. <laughs> to his virtual right, uh, let's go ahead and introduce man who needs no introduction on this program. He's a champion. He's been a champion. RJ Bates, what's going on, man? Man, Weasel, I'm excited to be here. You kind of ruined my pregame speech, so I'm just going to roll with it, okay? Uh, I'm excited to be back. Even though Pardon the Disruption is not sponsored, I personally am sponsored by Icelandic Glacial Water, okay? Okay. Uh, I piss glaciers. And uh, also, I want to uh, personally wish a happy birthday to Pardon the Disruption's favorite topic, Kevin Durant. Happy birthday, Kevin Durant. <laughs> hope you're having a great one. I hope he is. And to his virtual right, <laughs> we have one of my favorite people, honestly. I got to meet him twice now. Got to hang out a little bit. Eric Brewer, how you doing, man? What's up, man? I'm doing good. Uh, happy to be back. Um, I actually, surprisingly enough, look forward to this show. I know it's probably hard to believe that spending time with these three, I use the term gentlemen loosely, uh, would be something that anybody would look forward to. But it makes me feel, I, I somehow I, I'd leave this show every week with a tremendous amount of confidence. Um, some people always say it. And actually, it happened on the show that said if you're the smartest <laughs> guy in the room, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. And uh, 
I've been in the wrong room for about two and a half months now, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And, of course, last but certainly not least, another man who is a notorious champion on the program. CJ, what's going on, bro? What's good? What's good? Look, it's good to be back. Um, you, know, I, you know, I missed a, a show or two. Uh, gave these guys an opportunity to get their chops up. Uh, looking forward to the conversation today. So happy to be back. And uh, let's get into it, man. There we go. Somebody, CJ, take your camera out of the bottom of your book bag so that it, <laughs> uh, it clarity's a little bit. I'm not sure if you brought that with you, but so uh, here, we're at the bottom of a soda bottle. Yeah, so what I decided, man, I decided I was going to go SD today. We're back in standard definition today. Uh, because up, I'm going old school, w, man. Uh, it looks like a W. <laughs> 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 the dumb, we got to up the budget. We got to up the budget. It's a All recession. Right. It's a recession. I, I see. You got the recession camera out. I see. Okay. That's good. Connecting. <laughs> Connecting with the audience. He's a man of the people. There we go. There we go. There we go. Well, it doesn't matter if you're on high speed or if you're on AOL, CJ, you are here. We are ready. The rules have been explained. As always, ladies and gentlemen, look out for the part of the disruption channel that will be in the chat commenting with you guys. Uh, make sure you follow that and subscribe to that channel as well to see all the highlights from past and previous or uh, past and present episodes. Uh, with that being said, gentlemen, you guys ready for question number one? Let's do it. All right. Birthday boy. Should you innovate or stay focused? Now, I, this was your question from what I understand. So I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to give you a couple extra seconds to kind of maybe explain a little bit. But yeah, question number one, should you innovate or just stay focused? So I brought this up because this uh, was a topic that was spoken on the main stage at Collective Genius, right? Like, should you try to do something different or should you, you know, stay true to what you're doing? Uh, so it's hard for me to say this with, uh, with you know, all sorts of, I don't know what's the word, integrity, honesty. Um I truly believe that you should be focused on staying good at what you do, but at the same time, I am actually innovating right now. You know, I'm rolling out sales management training, and we're implementing a lot of innovations which we were not good at before. So we're innovating to adapt. But I think you really got to stay focused to stay true to what you're good at. And if you're good at acquisitions, you know, really focus on acquisitions. If you're really good at raising money, stay good at raising money. Don't try to add all these different tools. Uh, right now, right now is not the time to innovate. Right now is the time to dominate in, in what you're good at. Right. Let's go over to RJ Bates. I don't think as an entrepreneur, you should ever stop innovating. So I, I believe that you should innovate. But when you do, you need to stay focused on that. I think where people make a mistake is they're constantly in the mode of visionary, innovating, coming up with things, and they never focus on it, and they never complete a task. They never, ever become great at something. So you are going to innovate. Stop what you're doing. Focus on it. Implement it like Steve talked about. He's, he's implementing novations into his business. He's going to get really good at novations before he moves on to adding another skill set to his business. So I believe it's important to just stay focused on your innovations after you come up with it. Okay, time's up. Eric Brewer, your thoughts? So the, the real answer is both, right? And I think that's a little bit of what RJ said and, and what Steve tried to say um, a little less eloquently. But the reality is, is that a lot of times people um, glorify innovation and it really should just be improvement, right? So, and, and I would even say that to Steve is that innovations hasn't really been an innovation for him. It's an improvement of his acquisition strategy. So I think what a lot of people do is when they um, do something, and you're going to see this a lot right now, where people will struggle to wholesale, they'll struggle to acquire properties, 
because the market has shifted and they're going to go out and seek this magic pill of innovation that if they're the first person to do it or they're early to the game that they'll succeed. And that just always runs its course, right? Like every new thing becomes standard and then old at, at, at every cycle. So I think innovation should really just be um, improvement and, and it takes course over the, the, the length of many years, not something you do overnight. Okay. And CJ, bring us home. Yeah, I think all these guys are wrong. I mean, it's, it's evolve or die. You have to be innovative. You have to be ahead of the curve. It's always easy when we've got to this place of quote unquote success to tell everybody to focus, but we've all been on a journey where we've just been innovative in different things and tried to find different things that will work for us, whether it's a certain investment strategy that you finally come across that finally just clicks and works. Be innovative. Do you have to have focus inside of those things? Sure. But you have to constantly be looking to innovate uh, inside of your business and be creative about what you're doing. So I'm going to say be innovative 100%. Yeah. And let me add some more uh, context to this, right? Because when when I brought this question up was right after Jeff Hoffman spoke, right? And he's the billionaire who founded Priceline. He's the one that invented the check-in kiosk, right? Like the same guy that invented the check-in kiosk at the airport is the same guy that created Priceline.com and so on. So like he's always innovating. He's always looking for the new thing. And I think that that is an important skill. I think there should be people doing that. I think most people, though, should probably focus and master something before they go off to start something else. So, but that's the reason why that I question think, came up. I think the problem is 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 that like I think CJ actually agrees with us. We're we're we're, we're finding the differences in our description or definition of innovate. Like I, so, I would say back to you, CJ. Give me an example of of a company or someone that you know that's great. And you would say that they owe that greatness to their ability to innovate. I think Apple, Steve Jobs is a great example. Look, I, I think innovation. They were like the third, fourth or fifth company to, to right. they, 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 they haven't been great innovators. Simple, They've been right? great. Go ahead. I think I think creating the iPod was being innovative, right? I think the point of focus in, in this conversation of focus is if you can build a team and an organization of people under you as a leader that allow you to be creative, that allow you to be innovative, they themselves can be very focused and targeted on the completion of the opportunity of the goal. But you as a leader of an organization, a business, you have to be creative. This is our art. You have to be innovative. You have to be creative about what you're doing. I'm not trying to be combative so here, but if you go back and look at the iPod, it's actually, I mean, it was came out around the same time as the Zoom, right? Like a lot of the guys are doing it. They just did it better. Like everyone was trying to accomplish the same thing. Theirs was just, their marketing was just that, better. Can we not say to do something better, that it takes somebody with a special way to be innovative about that thing? A lot of people had a podcast when you started Real Estate Disruptors, right? Mm -hmm. But you were innovative in the way that you went about doing so. When I started a community, everybody at the time was selling courses inside of my space and my audience, but I was innovative in creating a community. So yes, it's in the same space or same construct, but being innovative about the way that you go about doing things when everybody else is trying to do the same, I think is a special gift when it comes to but leadership. The, but now look, both, both your podcast and your, and, and, and your community, Chris, are not here today because of the innovation. You're there because of the focus. I mean, honestly, Chris like innovation like created the opportunity, but focus is what has retained it. Otherwise, if you would have kept innovating, how many innovations has, has Steve's podcast had in the last five years? Other than upgrading some lighting and studio, that's, that's why we have. Well, that's why we have this show right here. He's innovating. I, I think this Go is ahead, just. Focus. I think this is an example of focus. 
Chris is right because look at how innovative he is. He has an online course that he didn't even spend a hundred dollars to buy a webcam for. I mean, look at him <laughs> from his laptop, and he's accepting the two combo award over there at the click funnel thing. So honestly, I mean, I think Chris deserves to win this. Okay, okay. That's why you're my guy, RJ. That's why you're my guy. There we go. I think you might have missed now all that Now we could do a trade in fantasy, RJ. Now we could do a trade. <laughs> you know the way to my heart, man. You know the way to my heart. Employing the sales tactics. I like it, RJ. I like it. All right. The voting is getting ready to close out right now. It's actually a tie between CJ and RJ. So We got 45 people here and 13 votes. Come on. Yeah, let's, let's get the votes up. Let's get the votes up. Let's you get just, the likes just up. Just drag your cursor over to Steve Trang and just... <laughs> Seriously, I, I, if you're here, can you please vote? Because we're kind of competitive people. Like, I just hate seeing CJ win when he's just the worst, okay? Just well, I hate – there's two things – there's only two things I hate, right? Watching CJ win and a tie. So, like, let's fix that. And manly koozies. You also hate manly koozies. No, I love koozies. Koozies are great. Check them out. You go disruptorsmerch.com. There we go. There's the plug. There it is. For your – Shout out to Leon Barnes in the chat, too. We do see you. Do not forget the G. Not here this week, but I'm sure he'll be back soon. Uh, it looks like CJ starting to edge out in the voting. 42% to 32% on RJ. And RJ did concede. He did say that CJ should win this one. With massive so you- sarcasm. <laughs> well, hey, listen, it's on record. <laughs> voting has closed. I know, I, know that, I know that that's how that's RJ's love language. Or that's how he communicates. So I know that it was coming from a very sincere so when, so we, RJ, I, when we read the transcription later on it sounds like rj is really supportive the, the, the subtitling will say <laughs> that rj said he won uh, and it is official the voting closed at 42 percent. cj welcome back with another victory in round one how you feeling man i'm feeling amazing man it's good to be back it's good to be there back. it is there it is my guy is ready he is in 480p locked and loaded Let's move on to question number two. We'll start with you, CJ. What is more valuable, acquisitions or dispositions? Your time starts, sir. Very simple, man. I'm a hunter. I'm a hunter. Acquisitions, 110%. It, look, it, dispo, to me, it's like if caveman style. Somebody had to go out into the wilderness. Somebody had to forge the fight. Somebody had to find the food to bring back that meat for it to get cooked. You can eat red meat, man. Listen, I'm telling you, you got to be able to go hunt for what you want. If it, if you can focus on acquisitions, you can always find somebody to dispo that asset. 110% for me, the answer is going to be acquisitions. Okay. All right. With 20 seconds left to go. Uh, let's go over to second place and last round, RJ Bates. Yeah, there's no blue genies on this panel, so I think we're pretty much all going to agree. Um, I think it's acquisitions, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's the control. That's where you decide how much profit can be made on the deal. Uh, that's where you have the controlling factor of the negotiations uh, and, and the amount of deals that you're going to be able to do. So I, I absolutely agree. I think it's acquisitions hands down. Um, and it's it's what I'm also most passionate about inside of wholesaling. And I think obviously Steve's probably going to agree with his sales training. So acquisitions hands down. All right. Uh, Steve Trang, your thoughts. All right. So I'm going to try to argue the other side. If you look at some of the biggest operators in the country, right, guys that are 
intentionally staying behind the scenes. You know, you got Net Worth, New Western, um, Keegley. Uh, they're obviously not staying behind the scenes. Um, who's the the guys in uh, uh, in Florida? Um, Oliver's company. Dang it. Um, but these guys are doing, you know, uh, property force. Property force. They're doing a thousand deals a year, right? Or more. Some of these guys are doing a thousand deals a month. And the way they're doing it is they're focused on dispositions. They're focused on finding buyers that are willing, willing to pay a premium. And, you know, if you've got the buyers, you got the money, then all the deals just come to you and you don't have to go hunt. So I'm just making an argument for dispositions. Okay. And Eric Brewer, bring us on home. Yeah, I think uh, Steve has a point, and certainly th those folks have built an entire business model around dispositions, right? They spend less than probably 20% of their total marketing budget on acquisitions, and they dispo everybody else's deal. Their point, frankly, is there's 100 buyers for every seller, and nobody's competing for the buyers. Everybody's competing for the seller. But I think the dangerous part about that is they run massive companies with huge overhead and have a very specific business model. For anybody that's listening to this call, you probably will not want to emulate their business model. Um, anybody that's trying to innovate in dispositions right now is because they stink at acquisitions. <laughs> and if I had to focus my energy, I would just get better at buying, figure out how to get my deals on the MLS, and it's the best buyers list in the world. So I would say acquisitions. Okay, the floor is now open. But the real answer is you should do both. That's the real answer. Like, the, the, But um, the way that it's structured is we had to pick one. Again, for the longest time, I've focused my energy on acquisitions, and it's it's served me very well um, because, to, to Chris's point, um, when you buy the right house at the right deal, regardless of the market, there will be a buyer. And, and they'll, they'll be working just as hard to find you as you will be finding them. But you're going to have to buy it cheaper, I can tell you, than you did a year ago. That's the biggest difference. You actually have to get better at buying right now. Steve, I thought you had a unique perspective there. I didn't think you kind of got to finish. Do you actually think that dispositions is more important, or are you just trying to argue it? I'm trying, He's to, trying have a to different somehow, point of view. Somehow, like bring attention to himself by just being different. So I just want to, which I, I appreciate. I think that because the reason why we brought this up, right? Because uh, I think that a lot of people right now are kind of wondering, like, well, how do we move forward? How do we proceed? Because you know, the uh, a lot of the buyers that we've sold to in the past are all on the sidelines not all but like 90 percent of them are on the sidelines well, they're think, just paying less right they're they're forecasting the what the property will be worth in three months and based on recent trends depending on your market it's going to be worth less in three months or six months than it is today right and they're being more conservative with their assumptions and they're either not buying or they're offering way less which means they're not buying um and what chris and i were or steve and i were able to see at uh, the last Collective Geniuses, someone presented a tremendous amount of data that says, I don't know, it was like 50 or 60% of all the investment deals sold across all markets are to first-time investors. And they happen to pay about 80, what was it, 87 to 90% of value, Steve? High 80s, low so, 90s is the was, average percentage. Uh, a person that's, uh, you know, you talk about these seminar buyers, these guys that watch HDTV, is like, I'm a flipper, right? <laughs> uh, I'm a flipper now. They watch zombie houses, right? On what channel, RJ? <laughs> and they're following what RJ says to do, right? They watch RJ on, on zombie houses. Like, I'm going to go out and flip some houses. 
And they're the ones that, you know, they got a nice W-2 job. They got a down payment. They have the uh, financing to get qualified and they want to get into the business. And the argument that was made was that if you have the resources to have, you know, almost as many dispo agents as you do acquisition agents and have them go find these people that are willing to pay more. Now, not only are you going to be able to have a larger percentage as far as a spread, but also have other wholesalers send you deals. I think, so I think, I, go ahead, CJ. Go ahead. I, I think sometimes you got to look at how to do simple business too. the reality of somebody becoming, you know, a Northwestern or, you know, something like that, the size of a dispo house, you know, a key glee, uh, you know, it's, it's probably pretty unlikely. I think that's pretty fair to say. Right. And I think you got to find how, the reason how why do there's only a handful of them nationwide. Right. So it's like, how do you find a way to work within their ecosystem? How do you figure out how to negotiate and buy your deals deeper develop relationships with some of these these companies like we just reached out to northwestern last week for some stuff down in in the in the texas area right and it's like how do we make our deals work now for them let them take care of the dispo portion of the of the you know transaction and focus on getting opportunities in so you know i still lean uh you know towards acquisitions but i i see what you're saying as well steve all right i got two things to say here first cj you called someone else besides me for texas we're not friends any longer <laughs> Second, uh, uh, to combat what Steve said here, because Steve's currently winning, and, and so I, I just want to prove him wrong here. If you've ever done business with New Western or, or Net Worth or Key Lee, they are constantly trying to acquire JV deals, constantly. I mean, it is nonstop. They're in your DMs. They're responding to your email. You send anything out through InvestorLift, which I believe is one of our sponsors. Yeah, uh, <laughs> shout out. Uh, if you send anything <laughs> out on National Lift to a major city like Denver, Colorado, you get eight new Western agents trying to acquire the property. So, yeah, they might be moving those numbers, but they have a ton of new agents that are sitting there hungry with their buyers. But what do they need? They need acquisitions. So there's a shortage on a per-agent uh, basis inside of New Western of deals for them. So it still goes back to acquisitions, even though they're killing it with dispositions, they still need deals. Okay. All right. The voting is still up right now, but it looks like the birthday boy is pulling away at 39%. Uh, we do got another shout out in the chat. Paul Sparks is in the chat. Hello, sir. Uh, and then he also had a comment that, I do want to highlight um, nothing about the program in particular, but yes, let's give a thought out to everybody who was in the way of the hurricane and everyone who was close by. Um, so we definitely got everyone on our, on, on our minds and thoughts and prayers to everyone. So uh, Steve, it looks like you're going to get a win on your birthday. I don't know if it was validated or if it's like sympathy birthday votes, but I'll take it any way it comes. There I've, got it is. No, I've got no pride. I'm shameless. I'll take it any way it comes. There it is. <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, one, one, you and CJ. Let's go on to question number three. Is being an entrepreneur overly glorified? Let's start with you, Steve Trank. I think the perception of being an entrepreneur is overly glorified. You know, uh, what tricked me into getting into being an entrepreneur was the ideas that I could just hang out on the beach and drink, you know, Mai Tais and pina coladas all day, you know, and just uh, just chilling on the beach. And the reality is it's a lot of freaking work. You're working way harder. You're working way more hours for a boss is less appreciative, which is you. 
right? Who's unreasonable. Uh, and you're doing, you're busting your butt and you got to make really tough decisions. So I think the idea of entrepreneur entrepreneurism is glorified, but at the same time, I absolutely love what I do and I would never give it up. Okay. All right. Let's go over to RJ Bates. I just want to point out that Steve said entrepreneurism. That was yeah. adorable. <laughs> I was lost. I, I want to introduce you to the word entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. There's your gift. Thank you. Thank uh, you, I appreciate it. Cut him off. Uh, I, I personally think no. I think if anything, in my personal experience of being an entrepreneur, I I feel like people don't quite understand what we go through unless they are an entrepreneur, and so there's less connection, there's less understanding of what's going on. When I was working at W2 and I was working for someone else, everyone always wanted to talk about what I was doing with work and stuff like that. Now it kind of just goes over their head. So on a over glorified, I don't think so. I'm not from my experience. I, I just feel like it's kind of people don't really understand what I do on a day to day basis. They don't understand the struggles that we go through. So from that perspective, it's like Archie is kind of the crazy guy that goes out and he's doing all these wild and crazy ideas like buying country clubs. They don't understand it. So they just, I personally, in my life, I've had less communication with people because I'm an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, CJ, your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's over glorified. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, right? Anytime you bump into somebody, they say they own a business when you don't know any better, you think they're rolling in money and they're rich or something like that. Uh, the reality of the the situation is that being an entrepreneur is hard as shit. Uh, there's a lot of ups and downs with it. There's things that is, you know, like RJ is talking about. It can be a lonely journey. You don't got people to talk to some days. Um, you know, the reality is a lot of people don't want to become an entrepreneur because they don't want to do this hard ass work that it takes to be one, uh, that it takes to withstand the pressure and sacrifice you got to make for your friends, your family, your children, all those things, man. So I do think it's over glorified because every, everybody that doesn't, know any better thinks that everything is great that you're rolling in money and all these things are happening but uh it's a tough road sometimes it's got some some beautiful ways about it as well we've all had a lot of success but yeah man don't think it's just an easy ride and then you, you just strap it in for something simple that was the one for me i like that one uh eric brewer bring us home please sir i think the the short answer is yes it's over glorified um you know to steve's point i i would i would never trade my life you know, for whatever's on the other side, but too often. And I think this is, is in large part because a large part of being an entrepreneur is selling courses on how to be an entrepreneur. So of course they're not going to tell you the bad stuff. Right. And uh, I happen to be talking to someone that just left a small sort of gathering with Grant Cardone. And he said his, his, his special talent was living broke every year. So everything that he earns every single year, he reinvests, and that's hard right? Like it's really, really hard. And it's also required as an entrepreneur to make a bunch of money and pour it right back into the business. It takes in most cases a decade before we can responsibly start to do things for ourselves, And uh, that is not very often talked about. The, 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 the ups are talked about, the downs are very rarely shared with people. And I get it, um, but I've never met a more depressed group of people than entrepreneurs, to be quite frank. I think I got to go to a lawyer's conference. Um. <laughs> like toll booth workers or something, right? That's like the top three depressed people in the world. But 
it, it's a lonely place. And, and unless you're in a group of people like each of us have, you know, friendships and groups of people that we're able to, to, to share our successes with and talk through our challenges with. But I think there's this image of an entrepreneur as the business owner that you, 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 you can never show vulnerability. You can't ever admit that things are tough. You can't acknowledge the fact that you didn't make as much money as you should have. Or quite frankly, sometimes I remember in the beginning of my business, I would lose a lot of money. And no one ever talks about that, right? And uh, so we end up internalizing all that, which is never healthy. And um, most people do not get a fair description of what it's like before they sign up. Yeah, I mean, you look at what you see in social media, right? You see the big checks, right? Like, let me show you this check for 45000 We're going to completely disregard that to pay an acquisition rep. I might have had to split that with someone else on a joint venture deal. All this time spending and effort and... Uh, risk as far as spending money on marketing, skip tracing, potentially running afoul of TCPA, right? Like there's a whole bunch of different things, payroll. $100,000 federal income tax bill that's due uh, April 15th. Right. So we we see that stuff, but no one ever talks about, uh, or not no one, but very rarely are people talking about the struggles. You know, like what uh, what are the, the struggles they're dealing with today or, you know, the losses, the big losses. And, and who knows, right? Like if you share those losses, Maybe you're afraid that your stature is going to take a hit. Your, your reputation is going to take a hit. Or maybe you have something to sell and you can't show any weakness because you show any weakness. Now your, your, your career is dead. Actually, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with Chris Jefferson and RJ Bates because of Closers Olympics. You know why I got to spend time with Closers Olympics? Because number 12 backed out last minute because he's like, if I look bad in Closers Olympics, I'm going to lose sales and selling my sales training. So they called me. Hey, Steve, you have a sales training product you want to do? I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to win. I'm going to sell a shitload of sales training. But, <laughs> but that's real. That's real. But that was why did I get that opportunity? Because someone else backed out because they didn't want to look bad. Yep. And, and you know what's crazy? I've said this for years. You know, entrepreneurship is one of the loneliest things that you can do in life. It's because everyone assumes that you have all the answers and you know everything. And if you go back and you hear majority of stories told in the podcast, it was like, I didn't know shit when I got started, but I just took that. <laughs> but then suddenly your whole family and friends are like, man, RJ didn't know anything six months ago, but man, he really got his shit together and he knows everything now. And and you put that burden on your, your shoulders. It's not even about what goes on in social media. This is like inside of your, your home, inside of your family. Uh, that to me was like the biggest change where, and that's what I was trying to say earlier is everyone suddenly was just like, well, RJ doesn't have problems because he's running his own business. And it was like, no, I have like a hundred times more problems than I had before this. And so, yeah, I, I, I think from that perspective, yeah, I guess it could be overly glorified. I, I guess I just don't really understand the context of the question. Uh, is this a social media thing or not? I just think at the end of the day, we all agree that it's a very lonely place. Yeah, I think if you look at all your everyone that uh, you talk to, it's like, oh, what do you do? You know, I own a business. Like to CJ's point, right? Oh, you must be making a lot of money. Or like the other one, I think I, I don't know if this is Eric's post or someone else, right? But someone walked up to him and it's like, must be nice to be making all this money. It's like you have no idea all the crap yeah. I went through to get here. Mm. So. Great round. Great round. Great conversation we, all around. 
Yes, sir. Whoever just voted for CJ, I just want to point out he hasn't said anything in 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just letting you guys get get it off and 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 I mean because I want the point to be heard, right? Like it's it, like I said, man, it's tough, uh, but it's a lot of reward with it as well. And if, if when you can find ways to be a service to other people um, and, and do things the right way, um, you know, it's better. It's more good days than bad. Can I ask a question real quick, just out of curiosity? How many of us have actually thought that there was a moment where our business might not survive another six months? Have we ever been that in our journey? Yeah, me for sure. Yeah. I mean, all of us. And and during that time, there was probably this thought of what is everyone that thinks that I have all my shit together going to think? Oh, yeah. Which is insane. Like, that's the exact thought, though. That's the exact thought. That's real. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I, hey, one of my top fives, for sure. Top five round. For sure, for sure. Um, There is still a, uh, a tie in the voting, and I don't blame the viewers because you guys all made v- very valid points, very great points. So, again, this is the value in this program, getting game straight from the source, there was no right or wrong answer for this because this was uh, all the way around. Good. Um, we'll let it continue the voting. As a reminder, please follow the Part of the Disruption official channel. The clips and highlights will be posted. You can rewatch this. You can study what they were saying. Uh, and also follow the Part of the Disruption Instagram page. Bing. That's another bomb dropping. We got social media. Got social Real media quick, unlocked. Yes, sir. Go ahead. If I can, man, while we're waiting for the voting to close. A dope podcast to listen to, man, is how I built this. Um, I think it's by NPR. Just hearing about some of these really huge companies and businesses, the you know the Twitters, the Facebooks, and all these crazy companies, and how they started at inception just as an idea, and all the painful things they had to go through as entrepreneurs to build to build these big, huge brand name businesses that we all know. I think it's a great podcast that puts in perspective really, you know, what being an entrepreneur really all is all about for sure. Noted. All right, guys, let's still get some votes in there. There's 65 people watching live, and there's only 26 votes that were placed. And there is a potential tie right now, but everyone's kind of within striking distance. So it is right there for the taking. I think we're going to leave it up for another minute or two. Yeah, I mean, it's 26% for three people. I think we should get everyone oh, a point. Man, for it. Man, <laughs> I think we should close it now. That is a point for Brewer. There we go, Eric. I got you. I think I heard you a point. I, I think I owed you a point, man. He just logged in. <laughs> you guys ready for question number four? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Eric Brewer, you will start this one out. When renting out properties, what's something that a lot of people will overlook in the process? Oh, man. Um, what is something that they would overlook? I, I think uh, routine maintenance is something that a lot of people don't plan for. Um, I think the majority of people hopefully – when they're renting a property themselves or hiring a property management company or properly scrutinizing the tenant and making sure that they're qualified, they have a good payment history and that they have enough income to pay. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people don't account for is the wear and tear that that person can put on the property um, and maintenance can stack up and then they might move out. And if they paid you a thousand bucks a month for a year, you collected 12 grand, you might have netted five or 6,000 and it needs eight to $10,000 worth of work to get another tenant in. That is not a uh, productive uh, rent cycle. So I, I think people drastically underestimate how well the tenant will care for their property. 
um, and what the condition will be when they get it back. Okay. All right. Uh, Steve, your thoughts. Uh, you know, w- when I saw this question, I was just thinking back to my own personal experience. And uh, yes, you know, you wish everyone would be responsible. But when I was new, I was not. Uh, you know, I, I looked at uh, if they could pay and they could pay up front, fine. You know, like that's good. You know, they could put a large chunk of money up front. I, I've got security. I've got safety. This is good to go. And I had no idea that people have no care at all for the rules as far as pets and that everyone treats their animals differently. So when she moved out, like, we needed almost a hazmat team to remodel the whole house because apparently it was totally normal in her upbringing to have the dogs and the cats and maybe some horses just go wherever they wanted to go. So I think just understanding... Just understanding that, uh, you know, see what, see how they care to so see how they take care of the properties. Maybe talk to some previous uh, landlords. Okay, uh, CJ. Yeah, I would say vacancy and deferred maintenance. Uh, you know, to Steve, Steve made a comment earlier about you know people that come to the seminar that rolled into town and you hear it on the radio as you show up, you've got a nice little W two and a four hundred one k. You go cash it out. You put twenty percent down. You get yourself a little bird or you get yourself a rental property and you think, oh, I'm going to make $400, $500 net positive a month. This is going to be a great, beautiful thing. I'll get 10 of these, retire. I'll send my kids to college. What a beautiful life. Uh, It doesn't really work like that, right? You got things like vacancy. You got things like deferred maintenance. And I think that's something that people overlook when they're excited and get into the business because, you know, I think Eric kind of touched on this as well. That can really start to limit your cash flow uh, and what your margin looks like month to month. Uh, so you got to be on top of estimating what those things are going to look like in your projections before you take something down. It's like a little glimpse that people get of what it's like to be an entrepreneur, right? It's like, oh, this is <laughs> I, I'm going to do this. It's going to pay for my kid's college education. Then he gets smacked in the nose with a bill, <laughs> or like you know what Steve described is that you know until I got into real estate, my perception of how the average human lived was was significantly higher than what I know today to be true. RJ, what was it a couple of weeks ago, like smelled like cat piss for three weeks because he walked inside of a of a house. Like I always imagine like like did they lay like you never lay down like on your living room floor to play with your kids or like you know play a game of Uno. It's like who laid on this floor and ate like an open air sandwich and and played with their kids in this piss and and shit ridden carpet like i can't imagine that like how do you find, and then you'd see those people at the grocery store and they look like a normal citizen i think we gotta give rj we, a shot we still got, he's probably not gonna say anything good but we got still gotta give him a shot we still got rj we still got rj's turn sorry <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Well, you haven't got any points yet, so I don't blame him. This is a big round for you, RJ. Big round. This is, and I actually have the right answer. Listen, capital expenditures, okay? So what I consider that is things like roof, fencing, HVAC replacement, a tree that dies and needs to be torn down or, or falls down. Uh, these are the unexpected expenses that I think most people are going to think, hey, the maintenance of when someone moves out or 
I need to set money aside when they move out or if they stop paying me for a month. I don't think people take into consideration those those big ticket items that can be crippling. I mean, quite frankly, what they were just talking about is that people get in these situations where, yeah, maybe they do take you know some money out of their 401k or their IRA to buy into a burr. They're not going to be prepared for that $6,000 roof or that $5,000 HVAC replacement. It's like, where did that come? I was only making $300 a month. That's the, the what I think gets most overlooked. Okay. Hey, uh, RJ, Steve would call that capital expender expenditureisms. <laughs> I accept that. The record, you can, you can lump that all into one category. It's expended expenditureisms. If you guys are interested in participating in part in the disruption, we're looking for some new candidates. Just go ahead and put your name here in the YouTube chat. That line will be as long as your sponsor. RJ's got this thing where he kind of like is wrong and right at the same time. It's, it's very interesting. So what RJ is talking about is actually deferred maintenance. All right. So, yeah. It, tree falling it? over is not deferred maintenance. That isn't, but he said a roof. You can anticipate a roof as deferred maintenance for sure. I think we could all agree on that. That's why I said he's kind of right and wrong at the same time, right? Just catch what I'm putting down. But RJ, I appreciate you agreeing with me again for the second time in the show. I just wanted to shout you out for that once more, man. Thank you. Listen, this is because you're not down in the South. See, people down in the South, we we never consider roofs part of deferred maintenance because we get hailstorms and windstorms. So they always get replaced frequently with insurance funds. Sounds like it's cutting down the Dude, market. I met somebody. So maybe you probably want RJ, to listen to this. There's there's someone I, I was spent some time with and was helping in, in Texas. Part of their TC process is they order an insurance inspection on the seller's dime before every closing. And 30% of the time they'll discover hail damage and they'll and they'll have the seller sign over that check minus maybe 500 bucks or something that they give them. So they'll, they'll get oftentimes 15, 20, $25,000 checks that they use to reduce their cost in the property. They order a, a roof inspection on every property they buy. Why, why did you just tell my secret? Apparently it's not a secret because I wasn't talking to you when I found that out. So maybe it's you and one other person. And they were in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very common down here, but that's where, that's like, you know, if you own something in the Northeast, that's not as common. And, and so you do have to take into consideration when is that roof going to be replaced? Same thing with the boilers and the HVAC. And, you know, we've even owned rentals all the way up in Alaska where we had to take into the driveway because the, when the snow and the ice, it would just deteriorate and crack our concrete, our asphalt. So that was another, you know, huge expense that we had to. Can I, can I ask a question? Is it yeah. Does insurance not cover that? Is that still considered CapEx? Yeah. Insurance will not cover really so hail damage, they won't. Oh, hail damage, they will. I, I thought you were talking about the snow. I got you. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I'm just that's checking. not a capital expenditure ism. That's correct. That's that is correct. I can't tell if CJ agrees with me or if he disagrees with me. <laughs> well, again, let me just say again. Trying, I think he was trying like to set you up to make it right. You're right and wrong at the same time. I like it. I like CJ, you have vacancy, maintenance. Property management and capital expenditures. That's what I call them. If you want to but, call it deferred maintenance, that's fine. Confuse your students. <laughs> I just make sure they have another word by maintenance they realize it's something different. That sounds like a charged up titanium check for check battle. Man. I don't know if you want to do that. I don't know if you want to do this. is the money team over here, man. 
We do got a comment from Leon Barnes. He said, where is RJ getting roofs done for 6K? And he also said that that's a Kansas strategy. Texas can't claim that one. I was a roofer. I I owned a job. I call Jose and we go when we get it done. There we go. There we go. All right. This one is also in a tie. There's only 15 votes placed and there's 64 people watching. So, again, I want to urge everyone. It will not hurt no one's feelings if you vote for one of the participants. The rest of them will get over it. They have no choice. So please cast a vote. 65 people watching. We need some more votes. This one is looking like it's a tie between CJ and RJ. So, I mean, it was a little bit of a battle. Weasel, can you fix the the vote? It needs to be Steve, Eric, first time, CJ, Eric, second time, RJ. (laughs) We have vote gate on Eric right now? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. We got to open up a vote. Mean, he, he, he went twice this round. So. <laughs> he did. Well, are we, yeah. Are you voting for Brewer's first round or his second round? Please let us know in the chat so we yeah. can divvy yeah, up the votes correctly. He did get correctly. 90 seconds there, man. He did get 90 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> it was, I think it was actually 90 seconds. Exactly. To be honest, I, I forgot I had the timer on. <laughs> now we're being honest. 3 19 p.m. We're finally going to start being honest at this point. <laughs> Uh, the voting looks like CJ is starting to pull ahead slightly. Uh, before Nonsense. we close out the voting, I do want to remind the chat that the last question, the sixth question, will be a uh, chat-submitted question. So during this next round, feel free to drop a question that you would like the panel to uh, answer, and we'll take that question directly from the chat, whichever one we see fit, and uh, give it to the panel for the last question. We do got one more to get to. So uh, qu- round number four, it looks like it closed out with CJ getting another point. He's at 36%. Pressure's on, RJ. Pressure's man, on. Please, did you see that head drop over there, man? I saw. I felt it over here. Felt it. About the echo. I felt it through, I, I felt it through 420p, man. Oh. He's dropping. He's dropping bombs right now. He said, it doesn't matter if I'm streaming from the antenna with a little bit of Reynolds wrap on the top, a little bit of tinfoil. I'm still getting the W. I like that. We're going, I told you, Weasel, we're going old school bully today, standard is. definition style. There man. it is. There it is. Hot box. You guys ever have a hot box? <laughs> there we go. All right. Question number five. Uh, we'll start with you, CJ. If your business is going under, what expenses are you cutting off first? Man, listen, I've been in a position. My students, everybody knows my story. I almost lost my business in 2017. The first thing that I did was I cut my own pay. I, I, I talked about this earlier. You got to be a hunter. I cut my own pay. I got back on the phones. I got back belly to belly at the kitchen table with sellers signing contracts. I got back talking to cash buyers. I went back into the trenches with my team to build the business back up to what everybody sees today. So if my business was going under, again, I'd cut my pay. I'd get back in the trenches doing anything I can to help the team, leading by example. And we get back on top just like we did, man. So that's my answer. All right. Uh, Steve Trang, your thoughts? So we're going through a slowdown right now. You know, we're we're looking at, you know, Phoenix or Arizona, Nevada, uh, Utah, we seem to be leading the country in how fast we can, you know, drop. So we're going through some pain right now, and so uh, this is uh, a little probably a little too close uh, to to the heart at the moment. So, uh, like CJ, you know, we dropped our pay. So I paid myself less. Uh, that was one of the first things we did. And right now, what we did was we cut back a lot on VA assistance. We're at, we're basically asking everyone in the organization to do a little bit more right now through these leaner times. So the first thing we cut. We cut a lot of VAs, and we're not alone. I know that we talked to our top VA. She had to take some personal time last week, and we were kind of worried for her. And she basically said she had to take some personal time because 
so many of our friends and family in the Philippines are getting laid off right now. And she has to be the the strong person, the emotional support for all of them. So I, it doesn't seem like we're alone in letting a lot of our VAs go. And it's sad to do, but, you know, it's something that we needed to do. Okay. Uh, RJ Bates. Um, the first thing I'm going to cut is my charged up university subscription. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally doesn't buy the $10,000 program. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, um, you know, I, like Steve said, this, this topic actually is, you know, too close to home. Cause you know, we, we had to do this back in, uh, 1920. Um, we, the, the main things that we cut was anything that was not revenue generating. And, and like CJ said, we had to get back in the trenches. That was me doing the 50, 50, 50. I mean, everyone was gone. All of the systems were down and it was backs against the wall, make or break time all day. Every day I'm focused on generating leads and revenue through batch leads. That's what I was doing. And so everything else got cut. So if it wasn't, a system that helped us generate revenue. And it's amazing how many subscriptions you can actually have. I joke about charged up, but it's amazing how many thousands of dollars you can have just in subscriptions that you don't use on a regular basis. That's what I looked at. That's what we cut and, and we came out better on the other side. Okay. And Eric Brewer, bring us home. I think, man, this is a hard question to, right? Like when you think about cutting your own pay that like, that's, you talk about the ups and downs and over glorified entrepreneurship, like in any, any other circumstance, if your boss came to you and said, I'm going to cut your pay, I've eliminated your administrative VA support and I want you to work more. How many of those conversations will go over well? Close as close to zero as possible. Right. I encourage people before, because here's oftentimes what happens. This, the, what, And I would venture to, to, to say this with Steve, is that the people he let go were underperforming for an extended period of time, and we tolerated it because the market gave us the forgiveness to be able to do it. So what, what, what I've realized is most people that come to me and they ask about expenses, the first thing I'd turn them to and go, rather than reducing your expenses, increase your activity. What are you doing now? And I see a lot of people that get into wholesaling two years ago I don't know about you guys, but it took me 10 years to even think I could possibly not be involved in the day-to-day -day operations. And there's certain people that got in this business two years ago that got an integrator or a COO and they're off the phones and they don't really work. And they're going, where do I cut my expense? I said, don't get back to work. Like go on appointments, pick up the phone. One of those people, I made them commit. And I was like, listen, don't call me next week and tell me like your numbers are down, call me and tell me how many appointments you went on. Right. Um, I've seen a lot of times, I know everybody here has a different version of virtual versus in person. I think one of the things you got to get back to is belly to belly to sit in front of people. It's harder to buy deals virtually today across all different markets than it was two years ago. I think you just, it's less about decreased expenses and more about increased activity. Okay. I agreed with everything Eric just said, except because he sucks at closing. That's why he can't close virtually. He has to go <laughs> in person and like force them to do it because he's a frightening man. Okay. But after that, that was that was brilliant, Eric. There's a lot of things you may be better at than me, and I promise you, closing is not even close to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just closed the deal on stage in front of 500 people. I cannot believe they're so. Show us the HUD, first of all. 
Second of all, I wasn't there. I'd love to put money on that. Eight days ago, it's in escrow, bro. Look, RJ, I just want to tell you real quick as a friend, I'll pick Eric over you. Oof. Are unbelievable. The best advice you've ever got right here. Save yourself from embarrassment. I'm going to take the money from RJ's canceled charged up subscription and I'm going to place it uh, over on, uh, over on uh, Eric Brewer uh, in, in, this, in this situation here. I'm just saying, if we're making this a wagering situation, I know the perfect platform for it. Don't worry, Steve. I won't take it there. I won't take it there. <laughs> the voting is now open. Uh, RJ, CJ, Eric Brewer, Steve Trang, vote for your favorite opinion on that one. Guys, uh, really quickly, before we get to the voting results and we go on to the audience-submitted question, I do want to shout out that this program is sponsored by absolutely nobody yet, but we're still working on it. We're still working on it, so be a little patient with us. Guys, you got anybody, just tell them to you know, email us. The yeah. host is, is looking for a little something also. So Yeah, I had to hit the phones yesterday. So what, to Eric's point, I had to go hit the phones yesterday and start prospecting for sponsors. Man, it's <laughs> rough. Real quick, uh, shout out to Steve and his staff. Like, um, these types of questions are not often talked about. And if, if, if you didn't notice the humility that came out, you know, when, when, when RJ and CJ and Steve were answering questions about reduced expenses and, and things like that, um, I don't know of anywhere where you're going to get this level of transparency from people that have probably experienced in our own little world, the lowest lows and have um, visibly reaching, you know, reached the, the highest highs. Um, so shout outs to, to, to Steve and, and you guys for preparing these questions. And then also kudos to the rest of you fellows for being you know, humble enough to answer those questions open and honestly. I think that uh, there's a lot of people that would shy away from that question or frankly just lie. And uh, it's clear that nobody on this panel did that. So, Well, and, and I, I appreciate that, Eric. But I also want to point out, what, go back to what you said. I know I tried to joke there, but you brought up the whole, like, I hired an integrator and a COO and I'm able to step away. And that sounds so freaking good. But the more that I meet people like that, the more I see them like nine months later and like they've aged like a decade and they're like, Oh my God, my business is falling apart. And I'm like, yes. Cause nine months ago you told me you were tired. I know yeah. shit, your business <laughs> fell apart. Like, I, I, it, it blows my mind. So yes, if, if that were the situation and your business was going under you inserting yourself back in has to be, the first action before you ever think about cutting an expense. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I appreciate those words as well, Eric. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me how people try to avoid the, the work of it. Um, you know, wholesaling to me, you know, anytime somebody tells me they're interested in getting into wholesale, my comments always the same. It's a labor intensive business. It, it's, it's a business that you got to be committed to. It's a business you've got to be willing to spend consistent daily time on. You can make a lot of money, but you've got to be willing to really get in it. And so, you know, when I found myself in that position back in 2017, to me, the concept was super simple. It was just like, all right, like I'm, I'm, I'm the leader here. I've, I've got to show and prove that I stand on what uh, we've built, the, the concepts and the, and the SOPs and the processes and where there's gaps. I'll step in and help find those those things versus handing it to an operations manager or this, that and the third. So I, I think, you know. 
look, there's a reason that the captain went down with the Titanic, right? Like uh, he, he wasn't going to go out without giving that every, you know, that full fight, every effort. And I think that's what you got to be as a leader. Uh, if something's happening with your business. Wouldn't you also say that the SOPs that you had and everything like that got a lot better once you got back in it? Oh uh, yeah. Cause, cause, cause you, that's when you find all your gaps. I think a lot of times we hear this cause let's be honest, right? Like a lot of times SOPs are copy and paste, right? Yep. You know, you, you go get to a mastermind, you go to a coaching program, somebody shows you their SOPs and you copy and paste a lot of times. And, Sometimes manually stepping back through it, one I've had to do this multiple times in different businesses that I have, where we've got to go back through every process A to Z, step by step, and redefine uh, consistently over time what those SOPs really look like because they often change and we forget the little nuances and things we often don't pay attention to, or we don't effectively communicate those nuances. Yeah, yeah, and that can be a reflection of us as leaders, right? I've been in that position where things change, the expectations change, or maybe something in the process changes. And, uh, you know, we have this bad habit as, as, as leaders sometimes of assuming uh, that, that people have can easily figure it out. And sometimes we got to get in there and lay it out uh, a couple of times so that people can catch on properly. I think the biggest untold secret, like probably entrepreneurism as a whole, as well as wholesaling would be, you know, you, you guys, if I were to ask you like, hey, what are the one or two top things you need to be able to do as a wholesaler. What what would you say that is? Source properties. Marketing and sales. Right? Yeah. Once you make the decision to hire that integrator, COO, even a manager, is it those no longer become the most important things? Right? Like the company still needs to be great at marketing sales, but your individual contribution as a business owner has absolutely nothing to do with marketing and sales. Now you need to be a trainer, a leader, a coach, a consultant, a shoulder to cry on, an encouraging pat on the back, an innovator, but also you need to buffer that innovation with not bringing back crazy ideas and getting people distracted. from. It's the hardest thing I ever did was to go from being the best salesperson, the best marketer, to now I have five or six people. Today we have 55 people. And the, the last thing I need to do is be a good marketer or salesperson. It requires a completely different skill set for me that I'd never invested a dollar or an, a minute of my time developing the skill set. And overnight, as I started to hire people, it became the number one thing I needed in the business because all of that stuff in a business has to happen. Just because you disregard it or you're not good at it does not mean that the business doesn't need it. It's just not getting it from you. Right. So like the hardest thing that nobody ever talks about is the instant you hire a couple people, your skill set needs to evolve literally overnight. And it's almost 180 degrees of all the shit that you were good at in order to start the business. OK. All right. The voting closed uh, and Eric Brewer has a mic drop moment because he won that round and closed it out. So Shout out to Eric Brewer. He's got two points on the board. Him and CJ are tied going into the audience submitted question. And guys, with that, question number six is, uh, you've all had deals that have turned sideways and resulted in a loss of money. So I want to know what did you learn from situations or deals like that? And let's start with Eric. Hold on. I want to get my camera set up like <laughs> CJ's here. <but> I, I, <laughs> 
you know how we do over at the U, uh, Weasel. I'm glad that I'm going. You know, it's only good because the champ would go last in the last round. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, that was funny. What's the question? <laughs> the question was. Um, <laughs> Oh, that was that was that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, all right. The question was, you've all had deals that have turned sideways and resulted in you losing money. Uh, give me a lesson that you've learned from those types of situations. I mean, I think the lesson is right. And we talk a lot about, you know, the New Western and all these places that focus on dispo. One thing you don't talk about is everybody remembers their first deal. And it's often because it did not work out the way they wanted to. Those people spend a lot of time in reputation management as well, as well, right? Like let's let's be honest. When you're selling somebody their first deal and they're paying a lot of money, the chances of it working out are slim to none, right? So most people on their first deal, I would say, larger than fifty percent of the people, um, maybe not lose money, but they lose a lot of time. They lose sleep. They lose friends. They lose lenders. They might lose a lot other than just money. Um, but for me, that first deal was I bought it. I got a number. There was a language barrier from my contractor. He told me 12,000. I bought the house based on 12,000. I closed on it, met him there today. I closed on it to work out the budget. And he said, what about materials? I learned my lesson, uh, about 30 minutes. I, I said, what do you mean materials? Uh, Vinny. And he goes, uh, no material. No, like basically I'm not buying materials. You need to write another check for 20 grand. And I bought the house thinking I'd make 15. So the lesson that I learned was um, in that particular instance, I took action and ended up making a little bit of money, uh, lost a lot of time, but I learned a valuable lesson. And um, you know, the lesson was to just slow down a little bit, not be so anxious to get a deal, get a good deal. Right. Cause I think that's what a lot of people, they, they have FOMO, they fall in love with, just having a property, the reality is that deal is only as good as the money it produces. Okay. Uh, CJ, your thoughts? Yeah. T- tell me the question again. Yeah. So uh, it, the question states, you've all had deals that have turned sideways and resulted in a loss of money. So what is one thing that you've learned from that situation? Yeah. Just to re- like to always recalibrate the strategy. Uh, you know, I've lost money on deals. And when I reflect back on those moments, it was really often times where I wasn't being innovative. I was too focused on what had worked or a way we went about doing things uh, at one point in time uh, and not being up to speed as far as, you know, what are the newest changes? What are the newest trends? Uh, you know, and that starts to affect things like days on market, your price point that you can sell at, and it starts to hurt your margin at different times. And, you know, there's there's moments where you suffer losses. And so, you know, my, my thing is always simple. You know, my learning point is just where did we fail at? Uh, I don't mind about the failure itself. I don't mind about taking a loss. Uh, when I got into business, I signed up to take losses and bounce back from them. So I don't have a fear associated with that. It's just always like, where did we break down at? Where did we make a mistake? Where did we have that gap? And how can we plug that? And once we resolve it, we can just move on to the next thing because it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and so it's always been the perspective for me. So Every boss takes a loss, man. It's just part of the game. Okay. All right. RJ Bates. The most recent deal that's gone um, sour for me has been today's episode. <laughs> um, zero points. <laughs> and, and it's Eric Brewer's first game. <laughs> really what I learned was is Weasel doesn't have a mute button. And if you just talk, 
eventually the 80 people <laughs> we have watching today will mercifully just vote for you, hoping that you shut up. And, <laughs> and here comes the vote rolling in for RJ. Emotional, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Oh. RJ, you got to be innovative, man. You're, you're too focused on the W, bro. <laughs> I think you need to read the question again for RJ also. Both him and CJ need to uh, run that back. You know, I, I, RJ, I personally think that the reason why it didn't go so well for you this episode is because the titanium plate came out a little too late. That's what it exactly. It came out too late, man. You got to have it ready at the beginning of the show. Come on now. Uh, do you need me to re- reread the question, or are you just kind of conceding the go? No, I, I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. Anytime <laughs> that we lost money on a, on a deal, it was typically <laughs> due to the fact that we changed our processes in order to do the deal. So we were too busy to do enough due diligence. We, we didn't go through, honestly, the majority of the deals that we lost money on, and, and we have lost significant amount of money on deals, trust me. I bought a lot in a short period of time was because we were not set up for it. So we just rapid fire thought because, Hey, we did this one and we made X amount of money. If we just duplicate that and times it by 20, we're going to be great. But we didn't take the time that we did on that first deal. That was the sole deal. And we were solely focused on it times that by 20, we gave one twentieth of our attention to each deal. That's where things fell through the cracks and, and we lost our ass. Okay. All right. And Steve Trang, bring us home, birthday boy. Uh, I mean, I would say similar to what they all said is just slow down. The, the big thing was slow down. The deals that I've lost money on is that I moved too fast. I looked at it, didn't do enough due diligence, didn't effectively underwrite, you know, dot my I's, cross my T's, and so on. It was just because I was just moving too quickly. And this was uh, buying from another wholesaler, right? A property we were uh, looking at, a cold wholesaler flip. But buying from another wholesaler, uh, you know, you realize that the time is sometimes limited and you want to move a little faster. And, you know, it took that and several other losses to learn that you got to slow down, right? Like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, but you can't just uh, force things uh, to, to make something happen. One of the fastest ways to lose money is to take action for the sake of taking action. Okay. All right. Uh, the, the voting is now open and the floor is now open as well. I think the simplest lesson that, that I've learned was to not be emotional. Like I think everybody, when you say, when you speed up, it's because we, we get excited about getting a deal. We get excited about taking a deal from someone else. We get excited about, you know, RJ said, we, well, we did one before. This is a little bit bigger. Um, we fall in love with the concept. Like I can tell you for the longest time when I started, I bought shitholes. I bought $30,000 houses in the city. It was an easy rehab. There was a thousand people that wanted to buy it because it was under a hundred grand. And I fell in love with buying two, $250,000, $300,000 properties because I thought I could put better materials or I'd have a more qualified borrower. And that's where I lost money. I got outside of my, my niche. I got away from, from, from what I thought I, I was good at. And I thought that just because I flipped hundred thousand dollar homes, I could make the same decisions and same progress on $300,000 homes. And the, the market taught me otherwise because I got emotional. It needs to be an unemotional decision that you make to pull the trigger on that significant of an investment. Okay. 
All right. CJ's internet is so bad today. I actually <laughs> hope he wins this round without any sound, no audio, no video, no anything. <laughs> he is. He is frozen. That's actually hilarious. <laughs> Screen grab right there for sure. The voting is now open. Uh, looks like Steve's starting to pull away with some birthday votes, but we'll let that uh, occur for a minute. <laughs> Eric Brewer is streaming live off of the antenna next. <laughs> I just, I'm, yeah, I'm tapping into CJ's Wi-Fi right now, so I oh, he's got two bad signals. Well, he got 99 times, but bad signals, not one. <laughs> I, w- I just wonder if he's streaming off of Starlink. Potentially. Speaking of losses, he's got a flip phone he's streaming from right now, a Razor, <laughs> Motorola Razor. <laughs> it's propped up on his desktop. Hey, we're, listen, we're, we're cutting expenses, man. We're, we're cutting expenses. <laughs> right. well, his answer should have been uh, Wi-Fi. The first thing I cut when the market gets a little tight is, is Wi-Fi. Nice to be internet. That was the first cutoff. So until the voting concludes, speed oh, I'm sorry. Uh, until the voting concludes, I do want to remind everyone that is in the uh, in the chat right now. There's 75 people watching. Uh, please go ahead and like and subscribe to the channel. Also, the uh, official part of the disruption channel that is out there, as well as everyone's platforms individually. Eric Brewer, uh, Chris Jefferson, R.J. Bates. Check for everyone. We thank you guys for tuning into this program. We absolutely love doing this program each and every week. It is free game, everyone. Free game right on YouTube. Uh, with that being said, it looks like CJ and Steve tied for the last round. So, Steve. Weasel, can I? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, my man. Um, and, Steve, I know I committed to not doing this, and I apologize. Guys, but Steve texted me. Steve, I apologize. He said, God, he said Chris, you're the most handsome guy on this podcast. <laughs> you just toned down the definition of your camera for an episode. <laughs> You're already you're already winning each round. It's getting a bit much. Can you just take it down? So, Steve, I apologize. I didn't want to put it out there. Fellas, I don't know. RJ, I see you turning it up a little bit. I get it. Um, but Sounds all like something aside, I would say. Sounds like something I would I say. All jokes aside, though, on the, on the failure piece, the only thing I was just going to say on that is to explosively scale the business, failure is fine. You know, we all try to scale the stream fast for whatever reason and that's where i ran into mistakes it sounds like that's where rj did well and stuff he's talking about but at, at the end of the day just build a solid foundation scale fast on top of that that's really the way to get to where you can go with, with scaling the business in my opinion okay all right so the voting is oh i'm sorry go ahead go ahead Eric. Is it, never mind i just hear an echo it was for me to follow but i'll, I'll follow through. okay Okay. Uh, the, the voting concluded with a tie, and that also resulted in a three-way tie. So Steve, Eric, and Chris all have two points. RJ, I'm still going to include you in the final round because you're my guy, even though I cannot join your club. It's okay. You won't share your bottles with me in the club also, but you're my guy still. So I'm going to include you in, a question, in the last question. So here's my makeshift question. Ready? When part of the disruption gets their official sponsorship, what perk or incentive would you include for the host, starting with Steve Trang? Oh, man. Um, do we have to get another host? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure what we need to do. I don't know. I'm just better, playing. I'm better sure. ask Eric. Eric will probably answer better than I will. Somebody's got to take a point. I, I got it. I know. 
<laughs> oh, we, we do have an actual question for you guys too, by the way. I'm just having a little bit of fun. Um, if you, <laughs> are we ready for that question? All right. Uh, it says, if you had a deal that you lost money on, do you take care of your private lenders despite the loss? Uh, let's go ahead and start with CJ. Yeah, I think you do the best you can. Um, I've been in that situation before, right, where a, a deal doesn't roll out and go the way you anticipated it to go. Um, and I think it just comes to a point of being up front, it comes to a point of negotiating where needed um, and, and finding a way to do what you can and make it right and move forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you always want to try to take care of your lender uh, and you want to work with lenders that understand the ebbs and flows of your business. When you do experience losses, you can go have those conversations if you need it and move the business forward. They're in the business of making money. They're in the business of supporting you, uh, especially if you've got a track record. Uh, so, yeah, you, you definitely want to make sure you take care of your private lender. You want to have those tough conversations with them. Well, they're not pretty. I've had to have them. Uh, but it's part of it's, you know, business for a long time. It's just part of what you have to do. Okay. All right. Let's go over to Steve Trang. I think 100% you take care of the private money lenders. I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, there's all, all sorts of other arguments, you know, reputation and status and all these other things. But at the end of the day, your integrity is what matters, right? You've got to do the right thing. And I can speak on this because I've been involved in a lawsuit where there's another guru in our market who screwed a private money lender. And I got sued in it because I was affiliated with this guy, even though I had nothing to do with him. Right. So I got caught in that mess. You guys have seen it where everyone gets sued at the same time. I mean, uh, was it uh, the who was Kiabi before lending home? Lending home was in that lawsuit. The real estate appraiser was in that lawsuit. Everybody was in that freaking lawsuit. Uh, and I, uh, I would say that uh, you have to do the right thing. Person worked hard. They worked their butts. They took a risk 100%, but they also worked their whole lives. Right? We're talking about private money lenders. They worked their whole lives for this. And to throw uh, flippantly someone's money away when you're the one that made all, when you call all the shots, I think is grossly irresponsible, disrespectful. And I think all those awful things that will happen to you, you probably deserve. Okay, Eric Brewer. I don't think it's yet. There's, there's no explanation. Yes, but that's first. The second part of my response would be, I'd like to know who asked this question so that I can be sure to never lend them money. Because the fact that this is a question is really disturbing. Like, yeah. End of, end of response. Answer is yes, period. Okay. And RJ, would you like to chime in? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to obviously mirror what these gentlemen said. You know, in this circumstance, like CJ said, I'm, I've actually had to have these conversations with lenders where, hey, we lost the money from the, we didn't make it up back or whatever happened in the transaction where you weren't able to pay the private money back. It is sometimes a, a conversation that you have to have where you say, hey, I don't have the capital to pay you back, but I'm going to, and this is how. Um, that, that was uh, one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had to have with one of my private money lenders is, hey, the, the transaction closed and, and we didn't make back your money. We, we failed. Um, that's, that's a tough conversation to have, but you have to have it. Um, but there's the, the private money lender always gets paid back no matter what, because it's exactly what Steve said, you know, these people work their, their entire lives for that. And it's your responsibility. It's what you promised them to do. Okay. All right. The voting is now open and the floor is open. If you guys want to make any last points. 
or not. I mean, I think Eric's answer is right. <laughs> I think he probably could add some more colorful commentary to behind it, but yeah. Right. I think the, the commentary dilutes the, the reality. There, there's no commentary. Yeah. Yes. Because if you, if you start to explain it, you run the risk of, of those circumstances or your specific justification being the, the reason why. Well, that doesn't apply to my situation. I didn't know this person or it's a close friend of mine or you don't under, it's just yes. There's no other ex, yes. Any, as you start to explain it, you run the risk of diluting the importance of, of just a clear answer that is yes. Or you're just not going to be in business. So if you don't want to continue to borrow money from anybody ever, then the answer is no, right? But then who cares, right? But like, I think it's just yes. There's no. I think when you when you start to explain yourself, you dilute the yes. It's just yes. Period. Those two things. Hey Weasel, I've got a question. Yes, in sir. today's episode, we are on question number eight. And we and Eric has also had 48 minutes of airtime. <laughs> right, did we change the rules to pardon the disruption? There may have been some tweaking to allow, you know, to allow a fair, even playing field. You know, that was, people are walking away with landslide victories every week. We got to try to make it a fair thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're just rubbing in my epic defeat. I want this episode to be over so I can go cry. <laughs> You can go back to the piss, cat piss house. Yes. <laughs> well, with that being said, it does look like the voting is still open, but it has closed out officially. And Steve Trang on his birthday at 38% will take the final round and edge the victory. Happy birthday to you, boss. How do you feel? Feel good. Thank you. And I was hoping you said 38 years old because, man, I'd much rather be at 38 than where I'm at today. Um, but yeah, I feel good. I mean, I think this was, uh, Eric said this earlier, and I think, you know, everyone here shared some things that maybe the general public didn't know before. You know, talk about the trials and tribulations, like the challenges we had. So uh, I'm really happy for this episode. I think that, you know, you got to find out more, you know, if you're early in your journey, like what you have ahead of you. And I still think it's the right journey. I'd do it again. But man, I can't say I walked away younger or <laughs> uh, not aging a lot faster along the way. Well, I think you look great for 65, so Thank don't be you. so hard Thank on you yourself. I appreciate it. Uh, RJ, uh, <laughs> any, last, any last statements on this pointless, literally yeah. pointless day for you? <laughs> happy, happy birthday, Steve. Thank uh, you, RJ. CJ, you and I are not friends any longer, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I went to a two-day boot camp of, hosted by Eric Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, anything you want to say to that? There's not much to say. I mean, uh, according to RJ, I've had plenty of time. I've already done my opening, my answers, and my close so far. So uh, in an effort to not rub it in, I'll just allow this to, to go quietly, and RJ can log out here shortly. And- <laughs> feel better about himself and cj any last comments no uh happy birthday to steve uh you know i think it was a great conversation today i think it was insightful uh, for everybody that saw it uh i I do want to highlight uh the uh, least valuable the lvp uh, of the day uh so shout out to rj base the third (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no it was Shout out to the LVP, man. But it was a it was a great conversation and uh, and happy to be here. I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, to the silver closer.
There it is. There it is. We will be back next Thursday, 1130-ish a.m. It is part of the disruption. We thank you guys for tuning in, for submitting your questions and comments. We'll see you guys next time.